My name is Ivoma Okoro. This is Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast, and episode eight starts right now. If you're just joining me, uh, baby, what is you doing? Tuning into a narrative fiction show being told in a linear fashion? Eight episodes in is some serious, chaotic, neutral energy, and I cannot be responsible for whatever lack of connection you may feel for the characters as a result. Now, that being said, you should totally just stick around. You'll catch on quick. It really ain't that deep. Here's the thing, though. Just for this week, I gotta bring us back down. Down, down, down to start off with, because when we last left off, Vega had just given her murdered uncle a word of remembrance and forgiveness for their complicated relationship, and that energy was a little more like this. We'll pick up with the moment of musical reflection that followed that scene, and then pre-pre-recorded Ivoma will take it from there. whole time, this whole story, I've been pretty focused on our leading lady, Vega Rex. I want to widen that scope now and simultaneously dispel the modern belief that the huntress of the fantasy future is some sort of lone ranger vigilante. This is not even 1% true. In fact, the huntress of the future is but a small part of a globalized, connected team. And it's about time for you to meet one of this team's most important members. Oh, and also... I don't need you judging Vega for how fake she's about to be. Can we all agree that desperate times call for desperate measures? Okay, in three, two, there he is. She makes a show of taking a good look at our new cast member. Yep, there he is. Meet Dan X Foley, Vega's locksmith. What is a locksmith, you ask? I could really get into it, but here is the short version. This dude, Dan X, is a master of data. Think, hacker, computer engineer, IT guy, NSA, Alexa cackling as she listens to your conversations all rolled into one. They say that behind an apprentice, a good locksmith is the single most important person on any hunter's team. And that's because in this networked world of their fantasy future, somebody has to break through all those walls of encryption, bust through those secure gates, if you will, to get the information the hunters need to slip in and pick off their bounties. This is that guy, hella clutch. And everybody at HQ who had his job got to enjoy a whole three floors reserved just for them for being so hella clutch. Their floors were underground and, as you could have probably guessed, they don't spend much time in the sun. Is this your real complexion? I don't think I've seen you in the light. Danex is skinny with a thin ponytail and he's standing in this post-ceremony milieu in that classic uncomfortable guy holding a drink by himself at a party position. Only it's worse because he doesn't have a drink. At this point, old Danex would have said something quippy like quit squinting, I'm pale, I get it. But this new sad Danex couldn't even manage a tight-lipped smile at her joke. 
He simply stands there, looking like he's enduring something that's sucking the life out of him, waiting for her to say something else. So, she does. Thank you for coming. I'm sorry about your uncle. Everybody is. Your prayer was unconventional. A little awkward, but mm, moving. Gee, thanks, D. No problem, V. All right, well, keep it sleazy. See you at HQ. Uh, where are you going? I thought I just said, you can't just leave. I invited you. Aren't you supposed to be consoling me? Is that what you want? You want me to console you? Maybe. Not. Maybe not. Actually, no. No, I don't want that. Okay. Dan X gives her a, you're acting real weird today kind of look. Like I said, see you around. No, there was something else I wanted to talk to you about. And believe me, though I wish it could be anybody else, you are the only person right now I can actually talk to about this. So let me get this straight. We are surrounded by literally hundreds of people, many of whom are your family or close personal friends of yours, and you want to share some burning secret with me, your co-worker. Ah, okay, we're friends. First of all, you do like me. That's been established. And second, yeah, this is a secret I'm going to share with you. Because though I'm not exactly sure how many times I've almost died, you are seven. He interrupts. Vega looks at him meaningfully. You are the only person who knows about all of them. He sighs, relenting. He takes a couple steps closer and they turn out to the expanse of grounds. Their bond and their moment together is imbued with its own importance as they fall into their formal familiarity. It's like this is one of those shots of the president and the chief of staff looking out over the West Wing. What's the thing? I was there during the attack. I was there when the bombs went off. From where I was standing, I moved in. I saw the guy who did it. Who have you told? You're the first to know. What did he look like? Tough to say. He had on a hollow mask. I heard him, though. He said a prayer at the end. Long live Animus. Danax grimaces. His mind just made some connections. He doesn't need to be caught up to speed, but you do. Real quick. You'll remember, way back in episode one, when you first meet Vega, she's making a kill. And after she makes that kill, she takes some notes. Time of death, kill method, these sorts of things she's announcing to her mission deck built into her sky bus for the mission deck to record and compile for her official report. A report that gets finalized and submitted by none other than our new friend, Vega's locksmith, Dan X Foley, everyone. Though he wasn't required to, Danix had been following the progress of Vega's mission to execute Mukro, and the minute Vega's apprentice had thrown a wrench in the plans, he had been actively monitoring every ounce of digital information he could get his hands on to make sure, well, to make sure that government secrets could be immediately deleted from the worldwide network should Vega or her apprentice at the time spill them. And also to alert her higher-ups if Vega should happen to actually die while on mission. Yeah, it was really more of a passive role these locksmiths took for their operatives. But that didn't mean that they didn't care, only that their hands were tied. What do you want? If you wanted some decent help in the field, that's on you. Get yourself a good apprentice, okay? Anyway, the point is, Danex learned of Animus split seconds after Vega learned of Animus, and from the safety of his office, he was able to look up all of the facts. 
middling fighting cult wiped out in a brutal fashion during the God Wars, currently enjoying a media-led resurgence in the Noxian underground, God killers, definitely terrorists, and apparently Dan X's real answer to why Vega was telling him all of this. His response? You are such a liar. Come again. Why did you come to me? Why am I really the first person you're telling about this? Hmm? Because you want me to look something up. You want me to do some secret sleuthing for you. Be honest. Okay. I will be honest. I would have looked it up myself. It's just that for some reason, it's more illegal for me. Oh, for some reason? To protect criminals. To protect you, dumbass. Hey, watch it. If you've got information that's hot, for Sivo's sake, don't tell me. And don't sit on it. Do you know how bad that looks? Tell the proper authorities. Telling the proper authorities is exactly what I am doing. I am not an authority. You are the authority. You are the best hacker in the world. That's why you know everything. And if you don't know something, you can find it out. You, both you and I know that is not true. Don't know if I could ever deliver the full measure of pain in Dan X's voice. You don't know what he's talking about, but I do. It's the reason there's even an old, fun Dan X for Vega to miss these days. Long story short, Dan X used to be married to this woman named Zero, who he loved and cherished with a passion that was embarrassingly intense for Vega. I'm sure you would have shipped it. So you can imagine his distress to one day come home and find Zara gone. Not only was she not at home, she wasn't anywhere. There was no trace of her through her data link. There was no digital trail to follow to some covert kidnapping operation. It was honestly like she had just vanished off the face of the earth. And believe me when I say Dan X had looked in every nook and cranny of it. You heard what this guy does for a living, right? Zara's disappearance had been alarming at first, and not just for Dan X, for everyone. Then it was this huge, compelling mystery, like, did she die? Or did she run away? And then it was just sad. Because the longer she was gone and the more empty nothings returned from Dan X's searches, the more it seemed like she really had just left the guy. And she covered her trail real good, too. Guess she learned from the master. And he hasn't been the same ever since. And even if I could find out everything, Dan X goes on, it wouldn't matter because I work with you and you are not allowed to look into this. You don't work for me, you work with me. I didn't say for. Which means when you're on your own, you are free to look up whatever you want. Come on, Dan X, you can look this up and make it look like we never had this conversation. I will do no such thing. As far as I'm concerned, we've already never had this conversation. Danex out. Danex out. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I get it now. So when you want me to do something illegal for you, you're all about it. But the moment I want you to do something for me, no, no, I never oh, asked. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. You didn't ask, you begged. With tears in your eyes, you begged me to help you. I'm a grown woman, Dan X. Our biggest weakness is a grown man being vulnerable. Of course, I was going to run your illegal errands for you. That wasn't what was oh, wrong. Oh, okay, am I mistaken? I am so sorry. Our scouting missions in Knox for your locksmith's lost wife now on the short list of approved Hunter extracurriculars? We, we shouldn't it have... It is possible. I missed the memo. You know I don't read my we emails. We shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have done what I asked you. But I did, though. 
I looked for Zara because you asked me to. But do you want to know the difference between me and you, Danex? I would have done it even if you had never asked because it was the right thing to do. We're not, we're not that different, Danex says under his breath. If you're going to say something, then say it. I said, unfortunately for me, we are not that different. Danex turns away. He looks disgusted with himself. Explain, Vegas says. When I heard about the attack, I wondered, like everyone, whether it might have been connected to something terroristy. Something like what you and I hear about on these missions every day. I wondered if the shooter might have been doing a live stream of the sleigh that night, broadcasting it back to Knox from one of those stupid apps. Vega looks at him, a sentimentality in her eyes that makes him roll his. He looked. The forums were quiet. They have been since the attack. Nobody in Knox is claiming responsibility. No one's talking about a Sivan pre-stream at all. Her mind moves quick, which doesn't mean there wasn't one, right? What if he streamed and they're waiting to release it? There's got to be some way to find out if a video was even transmitted at all. I thought of that. If he did transmit something, he would have needed the right equipment for that. And they checked. You know, you really should have more faith in the local authorities to handle these things, Vega. Because the guys in green checked all the links. No digital trace of a foreigner through the link servers. All GPS mapping shows everyone running but you, a couple other first responders. Well, that's all well and good, but that still leaves at least one solid option for the shooter to have launched a video stream. The hollow mask. Well, actually, there were a couple other options he could have employed, but to spare you a riveting lecture about the finer features of electromagnetic wave transmissions, let's just go with the hollow mask, because yes, I thought of that too. Listener, this might be the only time Vega will ever not mind the biggest, well, actually, Vega dude in her life pulling a well, actually, Vega. If the hollow mask had a camera, it would have needed to be something strong. Something that could transmit radio waves so powerful they could reach an international tower. Now, there are only a few hollow masks that have video functions and that also have that kind of long range tech, and all three of them use the same international tower. So by walking past a couple of their security clearances, I was able to access their received transmissions. Issuing a brief search of the IP addresses for the mask additions that shared a common suffix, I ran those suffixes across the times they were received by the tower, and... And what? There was a stream. There was a stream! A couple people around them look their way as Vega composes herself. Sorry, she says. Please go on. There was a stream. From a mask located in Petraxis, information was relayed across the sea to an Oxen server. He shot a video, and he streamed it. Now for the bad news. Video from a live stream can't exactly be recovered. Once it ended, it was gone. Unless the video was being recorded by whoever was on the other end, for all intents and purposes, there is no video. Oh, I know it was. Somebody has it. They have to. They're probably just waiting to release it. Waiting for what? Danix? Could you look again at the data stream the mask was sending to the tower that night? Look for what? I have a hunch that every three and a half minutes or so, the tower was requesting the location of the mask from the mask's wearer. Why would you have that hunch? The tower would only request that kind of information if the wearer had taken critical damage. Critical damage like from the blast that almost killed you. Almost. Like from the blast they said killed him. They did say that, didn't they? Danix's eyes widened. 
Vega. Did he... Is he... All I know, she interrupts, her words careful, is that both he and I took critical damage at 10, 56, and 13 seconds. And if he survived, there is a digital trail that will lead us straight to him three and a half minutes at a time. And cue Vega's locksmith, one of her longest held partners in the wild six years of her record-breaking hunting career, staring at her long and hard with betrayal in his eyes. And then he simply walks away. Hey, where are you going? He spins around so fast she thinks for a second he means to punch her. This is a hunt. No, this is illegal. Says who? You have me tracking an active suspect, I swear, to Sivo Danix. Can you just finish looking at the data before you go all noble on me, please? You told me you didn't even see the point of the rules. We don't even know what the data says. And we never will. I'm racing it. His fingers fly to his data link. But what if he's here, though? She doesn't grab him or anything. No, her fists move almost in slow motion as she wraps him around the lapels of his jacket, stepping into his space. Think about it. Nobody in attendance that night reported an unfamiliar face. Nobody saw or heard anything new. And this is Rx, Danix. There is a woman who has 60 cats, who lives in a literal cottage, who hasn't been outside in like 25 years. And even she knows when there's somebody new in this town. Which means that this man, whoever he was, was hiding in plain sight because he was one of us. Which means if he survived, he could be here right now. But we can't find that out unless you pull that report up on your glass and look at the goddamn data. Dan X seethes, his contempt barely contained. You've destroyed us. She leans in. Screen share it with me. They release each other and Danex takes a few strides away, turning his back on Vega. She watches his shoulders rise and fall for a few moments. And then he looks down on his wrist. Her eyes snap down to the data link on her wrist. Her screen comes to life and she sees what he sees. A long list of coordinates, maybe at least 20 lines worth, that will lead authorities directly to the terrorist location. There are other streams of data here, too. His heart rate, his injuries. She gets snatches of information. Her finger is shaking when she points to the last few lines in the sequence. The mask must have died. But these last few have the same coordinates. Danix, you need to call this in. We need to. He runs off without looking back. The screen share cuts out, and Vega is left standing with her stomach in her throat, her heart pounding in her ears, and the knowledge that the terrorist is definitely alive, and there is absolutely nothing she can do about it. Okay. Okay. That conversation was a lot. I just dropped a lot on you. You need a bathroom break? Do you need a second at the virtual water cooler to make sure we're all caught up? Just in case you didn't catch all that, here is a TLDR from that last conversation with Danex. I'll give you the four pieces of information that Vega's working with about he who has not been named. And obviously, no, I'm not talking about Voldemort. <clears throat> Vega thinks the terrorist was somebody many people in attendance the night of the attack had at least a passing acquaintance with. The dude was familiar enough not to draw any notice, meaning most everybody had seen his face before. You feel me? 
This dude, the familiar dude, had noxion origins or at least strong noxion ties. He had to. Animus is a noxion cult, and anybody pledging long life to it had to have friends from real far away or be from real far away himself. You feel me? He was a dude. Okay, so they didn't talk about this in that last conversation. Technically, Vega couldn't be sure it had indeed been a man that she saw. It was real smoky when she saw this figure in the dark. So you can call this one a hunch or we can spill some of the tea. How many women you know commit international acts of terrorism? You feel me? Last but not least, during that conversation, Dan X, with a lot of manipulation, or I mean, I mean, encouragement from Vega, found a huge lead in the case of the missing terrorist. Basically, his GPS history from when he finished the attack, which means that in a very short order, Vega should be hearing of that man's capture via every major news network with access to a link. You feel me? Okay, now, so I hope you got all that. I hope you paused, took a breather, took a little restroom break, you got yourself a fresh juice pouch. You're back in your preferred listening location of choice because I am thin to drop one hell of a spoiler on you. And once the plane door shut, we are not staying on the ground for nobody. That's right. I am spoiling my own story. This makes no sense, but we about to do it. Okay, so here it is. Uh, of the of the previous four stated assumptions that Vega has had about the terrorist, she is only correct about the first three. Number four, the list of coordinates that are supposed to lead Danex right to the terrorist, they are a dead end, a decoy, a trap. The terrorist isn't out there. He's still here. Just like Vega thought, hiding in plain sight, right in the epicenter of these Rex grounds, inside the walls of the Rex estate, dressed in the sleek white garments of a passing ceremony he has no business attending, hiding out in one of the interior sitting rooms, staring absently at the game on the screen being projected in front of him, wondering for the millionth time why, why in the world was he still here when all he wanted to do was be on the next skyship back to Knox to be going home, where he was willing and ready to claim the mantle of God that he had now earned, that after all this time was now rightfully his. He Why are you listening to this? You! Quit acting like you're brand new. I am talking to you, listening. What are you here for? <laughs> Look at you. You're like baby birds in a nest, squawking with your mouths open and you don't even know what you're hungry for. Shall I tell you? Feed me a murder, mommy. Regurgitate the story of this man's murder to me. Oh, he lives? Then he must die. And Vega has to be the one to kill him. That's you. Don't lie. Don't pretend this is about unique storytelling or the sound of my voice or you finding some way to pass the time from one miserable moment of your life to the next. Don't act like you haven't already picked a side. Up until now, I've been so fun, haven't I? If you don't think so, you're about to. Because the way I'm about to talk to you the way I have to tell this next part, you're going to be begging for the old me. 
I won't apologize, but I can tell you why. Because all the notes change when you put down the clarinet and pick up a machete. That was a metaphor, genius. I am using a different tone of voice to talk to you murder horny mongrels from a different point of view. So remember, as we jump into the head of the guy that you wanted to see hang that contempt that you hear, that's not coming from me. That is where we're going to stop for episode eight. And as you can imagine, the episodes to come, ooh, let me just say this. All the episodes to come were what all my fuss was about. Getting them just right, figuring out all the elements at play are what cost me the year and some odd gap between episode six and seven. And you wanna know something? It was worth it. I cannot wait for you to hear them. If you also cannot wait to hear them, the good news is that you don't have to. Let me remind you that you can purchase the second half of the first season of the show as a storytelling album and just listen to everything at your own pace. You can pick up your digital copy of that album by heading over to my website, evomatellstories.com and clicking through Vega Merch. If you want to financially support the show, you can head over to my Patreon to read more about how you can do just that. That's also linked down below in the show notes for your convenience. Special thanks to Dusty Hall, who did all the music in this episode, to my Patreon producing partners, Caitlin Hines, Eric Stelflug, and Rob Rossi, and to my consulting producer, Chad Ellis. Lastly, once again, I'm reminding you to make sure you are registered to vote for the upcoming general election. If you're mailing in your vote, request your materials early. If you're like me, in every single general election you've ever voted in, you flipped past pages and pages of all these local and state candidates for things like attorney controller and district seven city council secretary or whatever it may be and just flip to the one circle for the presidential candidate you wanted and just filled that in but this year and getting more involved with issues with policing and budgets and homelessness and all these extremely impactful local issues i've become acquainted with my local reps like never before and i've learned how much who is repping me on a local level matters to the issues that i actually care about So I want my whole entire vote to count in November. I want to fill out my entire ballot. Every measure, every rep, I'm going to make sure I use the whole ballot to its maximum effect so that I can help make our democracy into one that I'm proud of, that I want to continue being involved in. I would suggest that you do the same. You have what, like three months to start looking up what and who will be on your state issued ballot. If you believe it, the answers are already out there. By the time we get to November, you and I will just be able to zip down that ballot and fill out everything because honestly, voting is our biggest weapon. It is the most impactful thing any of us can do if we really want to see that widespread change. Anyway, that is all for now. This was fun. We should definitely do this again. You'll join me for episode nine, won't you? I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Night has fallen. The moon is full. 
And we're inviting you to listen to Canada by Night, a podcast where professional improvisers play Vampire the Masquerade. Detective-turned-vampire Everett Fry accidentally becomes the sheriff of New Haven, an experimental town where they're testing if vampires and humans can coexist. Stuck leading a ragtag group of officers, the Bruja bounty hunter Val, the gangrel news reporter Evangeline, and the Tremere blood witch Doris, can Everett keep the town running? Or will everyone end up liquidated by the Vampire Council of Canada? Trending on global fiction charts and produced by Dum Dums and Dice, whose podcast Dum Dums and Dragons ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America. Listen now to find out why Canada by Night has been downloaded more than a half a million times. Canada by Night, its interview with the vampire, if it had all the characters from Parks and Wreck in it.